Thank you for listening to the Old English D podcast. New episodes are live every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe and follow to keep up to date on all the new episodes. And as we always say, go Tigers. is up everyone welcome to the old english da detroit tigers podcast i'm one of your hosts casey as always joined by josh it has been a minute my friend it has been a few days since we've gathered around and and recorded a pod how you been yeah life is quite crazy right now a lot of a lot of things going on i'm I'm moving back to michigan that's that's an update Ooh, I wasn't sure we were going to break that news. Breaking news. Where's the where are the blinkers? Yeah, yeah, that that is very exciting. I wasn't sure that we were going to go over that, but congratulations on uh, accepting a new job, and I'm excited to have you back. You're excited to, to come back to hometown Michigan? Yeah, excited to to be in the old stomping grounds. I grew up in Old Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it's it's going to be nice to have some familiar territory. Nothing against Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne's a great town, but I'm. I'm a Michigan guy at heart. What can I say? Yeah, I've uh, I've said not very nice things about Indiana before, so I won't go into it. But uh, your guys' highways down there are just pitiful, and cops are very angry at you if they see that you're a Michigan license plate. It's just it's abysmal situation down there. At least traffic wise, uh, you know, it seems like your guys' city situation was just fine but i'm I'm glad i'm glad you're coming back yeah, a little a little less road time a little more being home with the family time with the new job so i'm i'm, I'm excited about that i uh, i was was gonna say i have more time to do podcast things and do social media things but are we are we really wanting to invest in the in the old tigers these days is that where we're at have we decided that we're still gonna continue with this endeavor after our week this week <laughs> it was uh it was a depressing one but i think we're in it for the long haul um we're, we're willing to put as much work into uh making things happen as scott harris is so you know hey who, who knows so we've already done more after. work than <laughs> oh it's gonna be a banger it's gonna be a good one um yes as josh alluded to we are post trade deadline uh, we I wanted to record after all the moves and all the deals happened so we could um, reflect and and, uh, talk about all of the players that are newly entered in the organization Um, that didn't happen. Instead, we had to take another day and wait for all the comments to come out from just drama-filled trade deadline. But we'll we'll get to all of that as we go around. But uh, I think it's important to note this is not going to be like a normal... Uh, old English D podcast. We're we're gonna not touch too much on on the most recent week of games, um, mostly because there isn't a whole lot to talk about. The Tigers did a whole lot of losing. Uh, they're now forty eight and sixty, twelve games out of the five hundred mark, and uh, I think they're like six six and a half games out of the wild or of of the wild card of the division. Um, so you know, it was it was another week of middling Tigers baseball. Uh, they did win today, which will play into our uh, 
our Erod conversation later, but we'll get into that in just a bit. But uh, post trade deadline, buddy, how are we feeling? Just kind of top level thirty thousand feet. All the moves, all the things that have transpired, and now we have two months left of baseball. How are we feeling? It feels like every single year for the past like three or four years, ever since I started to to pay attention to baseball on a granular level, that the trade deadline always surprises me for different reasons every year in ways that I am totally not expecting. I mean, last year with Alavila and his dumpster fire that he did at the trade deadline felt like a year, like just even at an MLB level, it always feels like it's going to turn out differently than it does. I guess we should probably expect to be surprised by the moves that end up happening, especially this year with the uh, the additional wildcard teams. More teams feel like they're in it. More teams are feeling like they're going to go for it. and and feels like organizations flip on a on a dime on on what their decisions are how they're going to approach the rest of the year so it's been it's been interesting uh to watch outside of the tigers even just very confusing from a lot of different teams from a lot of different angles it's always felt like christmas for me i love it it's a good time i i usually take the day off of work and i'm just like glued to my phone i have all the notifications going i'm like here we go this is what i'm doing and I don't know, I don't have a lot of experience with other sports' trade deadlines, but I was, I was saying this to a few of my friends. I'm just like, I don't know if anything else hits like this in any other sports, but this is just adrenaline junkie awesomeness, and I, I'm, I'm there for it. I mean, and, and it's not too hard either because, like, you know, we have an entire network devoted to, to the MLB and, and making sure things are up to date. And they, they started their broadcast at, like, 1.00. And the deadline uh, was at 6 p.m., so you know there was plenty of time to to kind of go through all the moves, all the speculation, all the rumors, and they had all their insiders doing their thing. And so it's always a really fun time. I, I enjoy it. But um, you brought up a, a couple really good points in that one. You know, as a Tigers fan, the trade deadline has been very much a toss-up for the last five years. Uh, you know, we've been sellers for all of them, and so we have this weird feeling of dread because, you know, Alavila was not always the best at making these negotiations and making these deals that we are excited about. Um, but then too, also we're losing players that we, you know, had fond memories of it, you know, at the very least a half a season of some a little bit, a little bit grander memories of in uh, Verlander and JD Martinez. And so, you know, when you make these moves and you make these kind of deadline deals for sellers it's a lot less fun now what's been interesting like you said the last two years right there's a entire new wild card in the playoffs and so teams feel like that are on the fringe feel like they have a chance and so when you have way more buyers than sellers and we're in a situation where we have some pieces that could be very very attractive to other organizations it's a fun place to be in and so we were in this specific one at the center of a lot of different conversations and that was exciting because you know we're, we're finally the ones that are kind of holding some chips and then you add on the layer of oh yeah by the way this is rookie scott harris's first year doing this let's see what we can actually do and coming off of the off season you know we we got a taste of some of the things that he was willing to deal to to do and and wheel and deal a little bit, especially with those bullpen pieces, and I think I don't want to speak for you specifically, but 
coming out of that, I, I felt pretty good about, about a lot of things. I know that obviously, uh, Veerling and Maton, both of them haven't turned out exactly how we wanted them, but Veerling has been a very strong piece and he's been very versatile and AJ loves him. And I think the clubhouse loves him and Maton has looked better since he's come back and, and had a call up. And so we really wanted to see what kind of package we could get back for these coveted pieces that were around the organization. And two, <laughs> unfortunately enough, the draft just happened. And so we were also met with this unfortunate realization that things aren't always going to go our way. And so when Max Clark's name was called third overall, we realized, oh man, this is this is a different direction than what we thought. So I think, uh, you know, for me, going into this trade deadline, I was very, very, I, I'm trying to figure, I, 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 I want to say cautiously optimistic, but I don't even know if I was that. I think I was cautiously pessimistic because I was I was so down from how the draft went. And, you know, I mean, Max Clark is is doing his things down in in, in um, the development league and, and realistically doing some pretty great things in his first few at-bats. But it just felt like this could go any way. And sure enough, things went the way they did. Um I guess we could start out with the Michael Lorenzen trade so we don't kind of lose sight of, of what happened there in the whole Erod drama. But Michael Lorenzen was dealt. Um, same kind of thing. A lot of different teams were, were tossing around the name Michael Lorenzen. And so it, it really felt like we could maximize our, our prospect return for this. And this was the deal that really needed to happen. Um, and as baseball goes, <laughs> you find friends in, in different weird places. Uh, Scott makes another deal with Dave Dombrowski of the Phillies and sends Michael Lorenzen to the Phillies for prospect Yu Lee, who was a high A 20-year-old, still is high A 20-year-old. Um, he is now our number six prospect. He was the Phillies number five or number eight, depending on which um, prospect ranking you go by. And he's a control-the-strike zone guy. He's a Scott Harris kind of guy. He might grow into some power. Um, uh, you know, he, he looks like he has a little bit of speed, too, so he looks pretty athletic. And I really like his oppo uh, approach, his opposite field approach, that, that can take him pretty far in, in the majors and, and lets the ball get deep. What do you think of that Michael Lorenzen trade? Yeah, I mean, exactly what you were saying. It, it was the one guy that, out of any of the pieces that were rumored to be on the block, he was the one that really had to go because he was the only one that, you know, was performing to that level and, you know, had the solid, you know, this is the end of his contract kind of a situation. So at the end of the year, he's going to be out of a contract with the Tigers, whether or not he would resign or not. That's, you know, ne neither here nor there, but he had to go and, you know, Initially, we both had kind of a, a crooked look on our face when we heard the when we heard the the news about who we got back and all of that. And it's something that I was prepared to do a lot more of. Uh, yeah, the other day, yesterday, I think it was. Still, my days are all mixed up. Um, with with even an Erod trade or if any of the relievers were to go, it's just be like, ooh, we got who. Um, I still wonder whether we could have maybe gotten a, another 
lower level prospect out of the deal as well as Lee. Um, but all things considered, looking more into this kid and, and what he's able to do, he's super young. Like you said, he's 20. We really like that. Um, he's going to match up timeline-wise with a lot of the guys that are in the system right now, which is huge as well. But also, like you were saying, he's definitely a Scott Harris mold player. You know, walks quite a bit, has a great plate approach, has great you know opposite field contact type swings, which you'd love to see. And, you know, from... Hearing that description of a guy, you don't expect the guy you see when you pull him up. When you pull up the highlights, you see this you know, almost buff guy from, from the couple highlights I saw. He looks kind of you know muscular almost, which is very shocking to hear that he doesn't hit a lot of home runs as of right now. Obviously, he's still 20. He can grow into potentially some power, and a lot of places think that that power is still in there, and they could still get, get some power out of the bat. Um, but yeah, I mean, very intriguing. It, it seems like a very much a, the Tigers saw a prospect that the, he does a lot of things well now, and they think that they can get even more out of him with their player development that they're so high on. Um, very interesting deal for a guy with on an expiring deal who's pitching pretty well. It's probably right around what we were going to get for him. And the more and more I look at it, the more and more I understand why Scott wanted him. Yeah, and I think a lot of the confusion of the package versus not package thing came from a tweet from John Paul Morosi, as a lot of these things do, right? Where it's just, it's you hear the news and then you kind of run with the news. And he, he had put out a tweet that was something to the effect of like part of the package would be how you lee. Um, and so that that kind of led to the assumption that there'd be more pieces coming back. But then a bunch of the beat writers for the Tigers proper um, got a hold that it, it was just how you lee. And so it felt like a little bit of a of a I don't know backhanded slap of like, oh man, did we really not get uh, all the value that we could? But when you look at it from very top level, right? We turned eight million dollar half season all star who has been pitching very, very well post-All-Star break. I think I saw somewhere that he had like a 1.12 ERA since the All-Star break, since he was um, our, our representative there. And you turn him into a top seven, top 10 prospect in your organization, I think that's a win. Um, you know, whether it's a young kid or an older kid that can, you know, make an impact sooner, that can be debated, right? But uh, I think they got a lot of value out of Michael Lorenzen and for, you know, what it needed to happen, we're not going to have him for for anything, and so uh, the the best case scenario is is him leaving and and we getting something back for him. Uh, I loved his comments too. I mean, I I have always liked Michael Lorenzen. Um, I always knew he was kind of a quirky guy. Um, when he, when the, with the Reds, I distinctly remember he came out of the bullpen once, and the only thing they could talk about in the broadcast was his vans. And this was like still when he was, you know, it, it very, very early on in his career when the Tigers faced him when he was with the Reds. And it, it, it always just struck me as this, this guy's different, right? But then having him in the system and having him as a Tiger and hearing a lot of the, the really good things he had to say about the organization, specifically the top level player development things and, and maybe even um, a nod to Chris Fetter. But, he, you know, he, he said, you guys kept your promise. You know, you, you, you told me you were going to make me better and you did. I, I'm pitching some of the best ball I've ever pitched. And that's not something we've gotten from maybe it says more about the classic character, but 
not something we've been able to really tout about a lot of players. Um, you know, you look at something like the JD Martinez thing, that was all him. I don't disagree or maybe, uh, you know, uh, the proposition that, that it could have been some Tigers, um, and, and obviously someone in the organization had their eye out for him, but he went back to the drawing board with his swing and he retooled it in, in, um, kind of Miggy's approach. I don't know how many people in the Tigers organization really helped him out. Maybe there were quite a few, who knows? But this Lorenzen thing, it seems very different, where he really sat back, said, what what can I do to, to make myself better? And a lot of it was just simplify your pitch mix. And Fetter and company really were able to use him as a science project, and it worked very, very well. Even in the starts that he wasn't the best, he, he still competed and gave us a chance to win every fifth day. And that's that's all you can ask for him. And so when we come into the trade deadline and his name is, is very, very popular, uh, it, it's really awesome to see because this is something that, again, we're not too familiar with, um, with the, the last regime's kind of way of doing things. Um, they, these weren't as prized of, of pieces as they always have been. And so I, that was a deal that needed to happen, and I think it turned out very, very well for us. Um, we did make another small, uh, transaction that Scott Harris was very, very quick to point to, uh, at, during his interviews post trade deadline that, uh, for cash considerations from the Dodgers, we got Eddie's Leonard, uh, who is now our number 22 prospect. So I don't know if that says more about the deal that Scott made or our current farm system, but did, did you have anything to say about Eddie's Leonard? Yeah, I don't know a whole ton about him. I uh, wasn't able to find a whole ton on him. It looks like uh, the Dodgers were pretty high on him coming out of the international signing that they made, but they were, they just DFA'd him, which is why they ended up trading him to the Tigers um, before he before he hit full waivers. I'm not 100% sure how the, all that whole system works. It's kind of confusing, but all of that to say... I think it's they have like 48 hours to, to make a deal. And then they or they, and then they can decide to pull them off of waivers or actually come commence a deal. So. Yeah, so you kind of wonder a team like the Dodgers, why would they give up on a guy like that? Maybe it's just they don't have room in their system, or or whatever the case may be. You wonder. I mean, it's not a bad move to for cash considerations get a guy that's going to slot into your top thirty prospects. It's obviously not a negative. It's definitely a positive, but you just wonder. You have question marks. I mean, it's a lottery ticket, as all prospects are, but you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt and take the situation as a whole. It seems like another Scott signing, too, of, of you know, control the strike zone, middle infielder, can play anywhere, versatility, um, and I think he's going to AAA. So could have just needed to fill some holes there, too. And obviously, without the waiver deadline now, and this is like pretty much the end of all transactions minus another waiver claim, um, but you can make a waiver claim. But if you if the team still wants them or they find value, you can't make a deal for them. You just have to pick them up off a of free agency. So it's uh, it's it's all kinds of done now as far as transactions go. And so I think this was just a, you know, maybe fill in some holes where, where they needed to. Um, and then we arrive at the other obvious name that needed to be dealt during the deadline, which we all assumed would be, and was a big topic of discussion, Eduardo Rodriguez. And I think for this, it's important to build some context. Um, 
So I think chronologically speaking, we can do that pretty quickly, and then we can kind of dive into the the whole debacle as as we see it. Um, so kind of just starting out with the facts. Um, it was very, very evident that Eduardo Rodriguez was a very, very popular name on the lips of all the GMs in in baseball that that were looking to acquire a starter. That much is clear. Um, I think things got super muddy and super unfortunate for the Tigers when Verlander became available. Obviously, the Mets uh, proved that money can't solve all the problems, and they they decided to sell. Um, and so they got rid of Scherzer the day before, and then they made it clear to teams that they were willing to move a lot of money and and really wanted some good prospects back, but were willing to pay for them. And so they made Verlander available. And so when it became clear that the Mets could get the return that they wanted and the starting pitcher market wasn't going to be Erod at the top and then some other names, um, it it was becoming quickly like this is a this could be a situation where Verlander has to go first, then we can talk about our deal. Which is okay, right? Because, you know, in the day before the deadline the or the uh, the the Mets made it clear that they wanted um, at least some kind of language built out for the Verlander trade um, during that evening, and it didn't end up getting to that point. But it, I think there were enough talks progressing that it, it made it evident that Verlander was going to get dealt, and so you know and it wasn't going to take up until like it did the waiver deadline in 2017, where he had to make a last second decision to go to the Astros, and so it seemed like that hump was going to be cleared at least enough time for, for Erod's market to start to develop. Um, another problem that arose though, though during this is along with Jack Flaherty, who we knew was going to be available from the Cardinals. Um, Dylan Cease became available from the White Sox who didn't end up moving, but it created this number two starter, really, really good upside kind of, surplus I would say and so when you have someone that like you know Dylan Cease who you know I I don't know if this year is the exact year to compare him to Erod but I would say younger control probably a better option for for a lot of teams you know a lot of teams are going to check in on that and so the the way everything was shaping up was not how I think you or I viewed it. Am I am I fair in that in that assessment? I think so. It's definitely odd how everything kind of transpired in the starting pitching market. It seemed like there was a lot of guys on the, you know, three or four starter level, as well as, you know, obviously you see guys, you know, even originally with Shohei, we thought Shohei was going to be the one to, to really stop up the market. But then guys like Scherzer, guys like Verlander, who are the definite ace level, you know, starting pitchers to be able to, you know, differentiate between those two. You kind of had this, you know, Cease, uh, Erod, guys that either would have been in that three or four mix and are pitching way above that this year, or a guy who was, was at the ace level and is kind of pitching down to that number two starter level it created this very weird like waiting game which was pretty i felt like pretty detrimental to a lot of those guys like with cease becoming available very late that felt like that didn't really help the white Sox either 
with trying to make a deal for him. If they really wanted to get rid of him, they probably should have put him on the market market a little bit earlier. Guys like Flaherty from the Cardinals seemed like that maybe that three or four level. It seemed like they just made a last ditch attempt to trade him very late because of how the the market went. And the other thing I think you really have to take into account is just the fact that the Rangers snapped up two of the bigger names off of that starting pitching market very, very quickly, very, very early with Scherzer and Montgomery. It kind of created this vacuum of, okay, well, now we have this lack of as much starting pitching as there was. There's you know less available, and there's also probably, realistically, more teams that want them now. So it, it was it was a very weird lead up to the whole situation. It it definitely was a little bit worrying. And Giolito going early too, I thought was super good for the Tigers because you, you're right, right? When when Scherzer went and when Montgomery went, uh, and and Gi- Giolito had already gone to the Angels, I'm like, oh man, this is really shaping up that that Erod is the top of the market. Like that this is this is good. And to to Scott Harris's credit, I I don't hate the approach of you know. See how long you can hold. Uh, I think, obviously, he held way too long, and we'll never know what happened in the war room. But I, I didn't hate that that Erod wasn't going to get dealt until, you know, three or two hours before the deadline. When it got to one hour, I was getting worried. I'm like, what is happening here? Um, but, and actually, it really happened when Lorenzen went first. I'm like, oh, this is strange. Um, but... Not to say you can't be working at two things at once. That that's not really what I'm saying. I'm just saying like I think if in a perfect world they wanted to clear the Erod transaction, get that going because it was a bigger deal, and then you know have Lorenzen because it's probably easier to consummate a one for one, be be kind of like one of those last uh, last deals that get uh, brought up to the to the commissioner's office. So. When things, when the clock started ticking and, and you really start to notice the clock after, you know, hour three and then hour two left at the deadline, it really became clear that the market wasn't materializing the way we wanted it to. And obviously when you are in a position where, you know, Scott's been here before, he, he's not been in the calling all of the shots seat, but he's made important deals for the Giants before and so he has experience he he's been here before and I felt confident about what he was going to do going into these last couple hours and then the report comes through (laughs) that I think uh well I know it, it confused me and I know that I was way too um quick on the trigger to to send out to people but i and obviously you know multiple texts going between you know you and i and and i'm texting a few other people too and so you know when this te- when the tweet came through from passin um jeff passin from espn i it was framed like a normal trade tweet it was it was framed like the detroit tigers and the los angeles dodgers and as soon as i saw that as soon as i saw that that was what happened and I think the text before I had just said, I'm getting worried, dude, like what's happening? And then next tweet I saw was the Tigers and the Los Angeles Dodgers. I just sent it out and I hadn't read the full paragraph. And literally it was the next word that that said everything it needed to say was it was the past tense had. They, they had a deal and then Erod invoked his no, no trade clause to the Dodgers. 
And I think, you know, if we kind of take ourselves back and, and kind of put ourselves back in that headspace, it was immediately the same feeling I had when Max Clark's name was called at, 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 uh, at number three overall in the draft. Um, that, that may be dramatic and that, that may be a little too, you know, quick on the, on the trigger again, but I, I was, my heart sunk. I'm like, this is, this is everything going wrong for us at once. Uh, what, what was your initial reaction when you saw that tweet come through? So, I mean, I think we were both on the refresh Twitter every 30 seconds. So I think we both saw it pretty, pretty much the same time. Um, my issue was it, 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 and I also have a big, big issue with the tweet, how it was structured. It was very much, I mean, maybe it's just us being a little more. It was a gotcha. Little, it was a gotcha. Too, tuned in. I missed the had word. I missed the past tense of it. I read further. And I, what I thought I read was the Los Angeles Dodgers and Detroit Tigers have a trade in place for left-handed starter Eduardo Rodriguez. I stopped there because I was like, oh. Okay, that's a perfect spot because we really liked the Dodgers minor league system and we were really hoping that that would be his destination and that he would end up going there because we thought we could get some really good pieces from that minor league organization. And I immediately texted you. I'm like, see, I told you there was nothing to be worried about. Joke's on me. Way more to be worried about than we thought. Um, When it comes to your Max Clark feeling, I mean, it's so much different, dude. I mean, I get the feeling might be similar, but the way I felt after this was so much different than Max Clark. Max Clark seemed like one of those moves you make where it's like, okay, but a week, it's it's a week, it's two weeks, it's, it's three, three weeks later. Max Clark is now going to fade into the minor league system for a year or two. We're going to hear his name maybe once a week, maybe not even that often, and you know, who knows what happens with it. Prospects are prospects for a reason. You draft a guy and you really hope to see, you know, him do well, but he might, you know, you're not going to think of it all that often. This is something that was so complex. So there were so many moving to parts to it so quickly and with some time left on the clock before the trade deadline, you know, Erod, we're going to watch Erod pitch for the Tigers for the next two months, once every five days, at least once a week. It's something we're going to have to have the conversation about multiple times of like, oh, here's this guy. What, what happened? Well, that whole situation was kind of messed up. So just very different, very, just a lot of shock very, very quickly in that move. And like immediately, I know I had a lot of very, very, very negative comments on Erod on the organization, just and and I, in the end, I think it was very good of us to wait to put anything out until we heard the full you know the full story is we're gonna hear it you know obviously there's back back room conversations that we're never gonna know about but I think it's very good for us to you know have the full story and it's something that I really need to be made known I you know especially this year really enjoyed watching both Michael Lorenzen and Eduardo Rodriguez pitch for the Detroit Tigers. It was a, a, a revelation in what the pitching staff could be, the kind of talent that we could acquire and bring to Detroit. It was really awesome. And if this team is even 10 games better at this point, five or 10 games better, I don't know if those guys get traded. 
and I think we're trying to make a run at the division. For better or for worse, I think that's probably what the situation looks like. If I had the choice, I would want Michael Lorenzen and Eduardo Rodriguez to be on this Tigers team for the rest of the year competing for a division title. In a perfect world, that's what happens. Neither of us are wanting this, these guys off of this team. You know, give or take what happened last year with Erod and that whole situation, we wanted them on this team because, you know, we, they were a net benefit. We liked them. And, you know, I've definitely come, come around on Erod. So anybody who's sitting there saying, you know, these doomsday people don't want, you know, Erod and Lorenzen on the team and they're, they were wanting them out and all of this thing. The be- the best thing for this organization was for Erod, in the event that he would opt out of his contract, for him to be traded so the Tigers get something back in return for him. Because at this point in his career, he's pitching well enough to where he- if he opts out, he will make more money on the open market. It's not just a selfish you know, wish for the organization to because we don't like him. It's not just a... I don't like Erod, I don't want him on the team kind of thing. This was the best move for the organization to make at this time for the Detroit Tigers was to trade Eduardo Rodriguez to the highest bidder. That's how baseball works. That's how it is as an industry, and that's what this sport does on a regular basis. You saw exactly what the White Sox did. You saw exactly what the Mets did. You saw teams take from their positive for the immediate and turn it into a positive for the future before they didn't have anything to bargain with. That's how baseball works. I really needed to get that off my chest because it really felt like a lot of people on Twitter were like, yay, we get to keep Erod. And they were so upset at anybody who was upset at, you know, how this all went down. Everybody needs to relax and understand exactly what's at play here because, you know, if we're a competitive baseball team, we want them on our team. We want them to be a part of this organization for the next two months so we can win. But that's not where we're at. This team is 12 games under 500. In a bad division, we're still in third place. That's the reality of it. And we really needed to trade them, if not more than just Lorenzen and Erod at this point, for the organization's good in the future. Sorry, I will get off my soapbox now. No, no, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I, it, to the Erod point, right? I mean, it, it was the move that needed to further this organization. I mean, th- this was Scott's real first chance to make an impact at the at the high end. We would hope of the of the uh, farm system and inject some of his vision so that we can see it played out in in less time than six years down the line. Right. And so when you have an expiring deal and I get it, his contracts made it probably a little risky for a bunch of other teams. And we, we don't know all of the suitors that were involved. We know at least a couple because some of Erod's co- comments make it um, obvious that there were at least a couple teams and a couple deals that were presented to him. Um, his contract made it so that there, there could have been a, a less of a market, but there was still a market. And, and it was still important for us to really get what we can because we're not positive that Erod is going to stay. 
Um, and, and it can very much feel like a Max Scherzer situation when he departed where, you know, we, we should have traded him back then. It was probably tougher to say that because we were at least a little bit more competitive back then, but he walked and, and we didn't offer him enough money and he found more money in, with the Nationals and we, we didn't get anything for him. And so we, we are soured by those situations time and time again. And when we are excited at the prospect of being able to make some deals that that really we think will further this organization and then they don't come together for something so simple and such an afterthought and everything else. I mean Lance Lynn waived his no trade clause to to the Dodgers. It just it felt very much like this is only us. You know that this only happens to to us and our organization. Um to the actual ins and outs of it, I'm disappointed. Like I, I, I am such a Erod proponent and I, I have been fighting for him and, and changing the narrative on, on him for the last year and a half. And when he went down the way he did last year and kind of disappeared and, and really went completely off the grid, the Tigers really stuck with him and, 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 you know, we're we're giving him paychecks and giving him, you know, a lot of text updates. He wasn't necessarily responding to any of the texts or any of the phone calls, but we were just okay with it. And, you know, I think that soured a lot of people and then to come back and pitch better, uh, you know, when he did come back last year and then to be as amazing as he was this year, he put himself in a position to need to be acquired by a competitor and most players are excited about that. Most players want to go to a win-now organization and really make their, their pitches matter, their starts matter, their wins matter down the line. And as much of a an odd situation that this whole Eduardo Rodriguez debacle has been, even before the trade deadline, I really thought that he was still that kind of player that would want to go to a competitor. And then to be presented with a deal that is, we don't know the players, we don't know the package coming back, but I know it would have bettered our organization for the future. And then to turn it down because, you know, family's closer to here, has been very adamant about not wanting to pitch on the West Coast. I get it. All that stuff. It just feels selfish. It feels like you're turning your back on an organization that really helped you out in in your worst of times, and now you have a chance to do the right thing for the organization, and you're not going to do that. And it's crazy because it seems backwards, right? And and it seems it seems like oh, him staying with the team would you know make us better for the next ten years, but it's just it's not the way baseball works. And it's too much. This this organization is so dried up of prospects though of of all of our potential that that we could have it it it, it will impact us down the line that, that that this deal was not made i understand it's two months i get or you're saying you're saying it's two months in for him yeah i mean it's it's two months out of his life okay where, gotcha where okay i thought you were saying it's two months of like we have to deal with erod <laughs> okay I, I understand what you're saying right but like my point is it's two months where he has to to pitch somewhere else and you would think coming from a a yearly competitor with the red sox with how often they were 
competitive, you would think that that would be just ingrained in him in wanting to complete with the whole, you know, pointing to his wrist against the Astros thing. Just that whole environment, you would think that'd be just ingrained in who he is at this point, but clearly that's not the case. No, yeah, he, he beats to his own drum. That We have learned that uh, emphatically um, at this point. Um, if we didn't already know it before, he, he is not moved by money. He's not moved by rings. He is moved by family and feeling really, really good about the organization he's in. And, you know, on the plus side, that is another cool thing, right? Like, like people are coming here, free agents are coming here, and they've really enjoyed their time. That This is, I mean, not a Scott Harris signing. You know, this is an old regime signing. But this was our first, one of our first salvos into we're trying to win and we're trying to put pieces together that can win us a championship again. And he's come and he's really enjoyed his time here. And, you know, I I think the only option for this to really be paved over smoothly is he opts in to his very team-friendly deal now. Um, He he has three years left, uh, I think 49 million, which comes out to like, 15 million or 13 million a year, which, you know, if we compare it to the Matt Boyd contract, which was 10 million, right? I mean, he, his going rate is going to be much, much higher. So, you know, one of the ways to obviously earn your good graces back is to come out and pitch well, which he did today, which is important, right? You know, he, you, you've got to kind of earn some good graces back and come back to the fan base and, and no BS. We're here to pitch now. Uh, he started that journey today. That was great to see. But then, too, I really think for me to completely forgive and forget about this situation, he needs to opt in or take a very team-friendly restructure that Scott can present him with because you need to prove that money really doesn't mean anything to you. Um, he's definitely ostracized his market um, kind of, you know, come free agency time anyways if he does opt out. And so, you know, he, he would not get any offers from any West Coast team because why waste your time? And so it, it's he, he's put himself in an interesting position for sure going forward. But if he truly wants to be on the Tigers and he truly loves the organization, then opt in and don't cost us a bunch of money uh, down down the line. Who knows what will happen uh, on that front. But this deal or rather this tweet and the deal was not consummated with about 46 minutes left in the deadline. And so, you know, it, it kind of felt like maybe there's a chance that we can do something, but it never it never came into anything. And, I, and um, you know, the MLB Network uh, broadcast for the deadline went into uh, Dan O'Dowd, who was a former GM himself, um, went into this idea that in the war room, once you've honed in on a, actual taker of the deal you're only focused and you're only zeroed in on that and so you know it's tough to create these other uh, contingency plans when apparently you're trying to put this package together I don't know how much truth there is to that this dude I mean Dan O'Dowd very smart guy he was a GM himself so he knows right not saying it's how every organization runs and their war room is is executed but I I believe him in that you know with 46 minutes left or whatever it is that the packages or whatever was offered to the Tigers, Scott was not comfortable with. And so we were left with Eduardo Rodriguez. And, and you know, again, the sinking feeling of here we go again, uh, uh, some, some really bad swings and misses came to be. Now, 
I think as far as the blame goes, um, and I kind of said this on you know my reaction video, I think it's I think there's multiple places that that the blame can go. Um, you know, you look at Alavila structuring the contract the way he did, and you know, did Erod earned his way and you know earned and pitched his way into negotiating, and the agent did a great job of doing that so that he could negotiate a ten team no trade. Um, I think Eduardo has some blame on him too. Because again, as I kind of went into, you know, it feels a little selfish in that you didn't want to do what's best for the organization that you supposedly really, really enjoy uh, and go pitch for a different team and then maybe come back, you know, later down the line. Cool. Um, and then I, I think the Tigers brass, I think really needed to move Eduardo and not moving him is worse than, um, than you know, taking on some middling prospects than, than none at all. So, um, it was a disappointment to say the least, um, as we, as the talk, as the clock ticked away and, uh, you know, no, no more deals were, were reported for the Tigers. Um, and then it was a lot of silence for a solid hour, hour and a half. And we had a game to play. We were playing the first game of the pirate series. And so, I can imagine the clubhouse was glued to this situation as much as we were. Um, I know a lot of them probably were trying to play catch, trying to get ready for the game, but you really can't take your mind off of this stuff, especially when you're sellers. Um, you know, who could go, who could not go. Um, I know your your pick from last week, uh, Jake Rogers, he even got some hits. He never made any waves or anything, but apparently his agent um, called him and let him know that your name's out there, so be prepared. So you, you never really know what's going to happen, but as far as the Erod situation goes, a lot of answers had to be had to be given for the questions that were left with. And so a lot of silence, but then Scott Harris made himself to uh, available to the media and some quotes came out. Um, quote, I'm not going to share exactly what the conversation with Erod revealed to me. I'm not going to share exactly what we said. Just know that we were talking throughout the process about possible destinations and it didn't work out in the end. I have to lean on that. Or I have to leave it at that. He continues on to say, At the end of the day, Eduardo wasn't comfortable with the deal as it was presented to him. That's his right. He's earned that right. He shouldn't be the villain in any of this stuff. End quote. More PR. More PR word salad. Did you take anything away from his specific quotes? No. No. I mean, he he has to, at this point, say that kind of thing to save face, both for himself, the organization, and for Erod. There's not really a whole lot more to to dig into it than that. I mean, clearly there was more conversations than just, you know, the brief brief bit that he alluded to there. Clearly there was more that went into it on both both of their sides. And yeah, I mean, you have to you have you have to take his words with a grain of salt any anyway, just because, you know, we know that this is this is just the PR stuff that he has to do at this point with the, with the debacle that is on his hands. It wasn't in that quote, but uh, one of the one of the buzzwords that I appreciated most from his quotes were the quote contractual headwinds end quote <laughs> uh, that that were that were in the uh, were in the Erod conversation. So, and I mean that's the thing, right? That we will never know exactly what the market was for Erod. Maybe their teams 
like for the Orioles, right? Like maybe they were never interested in Erod because they've had him before. And while other teams were willing to swallow their pride and reacquire players they've had before, maybe the Orioles just didn't. They've just they're just in a different place. And you know, they traded him away as a prospect, and so it's a maybe a different situation. Same thing with the Reds, right? Like they clearly wanted someone who was controllable, and Erod was not guaranteed be guaranteed to be controllable if he did that opt out, which you know it sounds like he was going to if he was going to get traded and it, not have the option to decline a trade anyways. So, you know, it didn't seem like he fit with the obvious people who needed a starter, but the Dodgers were willing to make anything happen, uh, especially when Verlander went to the Astros, and so you know it, it felt like again, this this groundswell of excitement because this is an organization that we know has, even at their you know, mid-level of prospects, they just do it right. And they seem to just have the the voodoo science figured out of prospects and, and always churning out really, really good players. And so, you know, being able to tap into that system would have been really awesome for us in general. But um, in another weird Erod move. He he left. He left the clubhouse. He didn't stay for the entirety of the game. This was apparently and is apparently part of his regiment to, to get started when he pitches the next day. I thought it was a little convenient that he, he was not around when the media was, um, you know, talking to AJ post game and really after a, a tough loss um, that that kind of just really put a bow tie on on the whole day uh, in general but um he did as i said you know go out pitched a very good game against the pirates today um probably his best start since coming back from the injury would you agree yeah for sure he had a little bit of issues early on in the game he had some mm-hmm. some walks i think was the main issue allowed a sack fly bases loaded in the first and after that kind of cruised didn't really have any other any other bumps in the road he had a, he had a nice start yeah, and I, I think just, the, you know, the walks and, and trying to get people out, couldn't put people away, just got him in the end because um, his pitch count was pretty high. But it's definitely his best start since he's come back, and, th- and that's got to be hard, right? After after everything that went down, your name is talked about endlessly at this point, not only on the Tigers, you know, regional level, but on a national level too. It's got to be hard to put some blinders on and, and go out there and pitch. And I, I'm assuming he made... Friedman, the the GM of the Dodgers, really upset that that he he wasn't pitching for him uh, today because again he just went out and did Erod things. So kudos to him. Uh, he did make himself available post game, and so we got some we got some quotes from him. Um, quote: I mean, I feel like we had a couple conversations about it, but the details of the trade wasn't where I wanted for me wasn't what I wanted for me and my family. I decided to stay here in Detroit. Um, and on the uh, idea, the possible potential that the no-trade clause um, was the big factor, uh, personnel, financial, or both, um, Eduardo said, quote, that's something that is just between them and I, so I can't tell you about that. But like I said, the details, I wasn't really comfortable with it, and I decided to stay here. Um, and then he had some quotes about the future, his future in Detroit specifically. He said, quote, if I had a magic ball, I could tell you where I was going to go and where I was going to end up in the future. I'd probably tell you right away. But right now, I'm here. I'd love to stay here, and that's why I made that decision, end quote. Do any of those move the needle for you? I mean, yes and no. I think there's a couple different uh, kind of, 
thoughts here when it comes to the the Erod comments. Um, he does have this right, and as like you talked about, it's not his fault that they gave him the option of opting in, opting out. At the end of the day, it is up to him, and he does have to make the decision with the information that's available to him and kind of with with everything on his mind. It is very clear at this point that family is quite important to him throughout all of this, through the issues that he went through last year. We know it was some sort of family problem that we don't really know a whole lot about. Um, and then, obviously, this decision that he has made this year that it is is quite clear that his family is is one of, if not the most important thing in his life, which, you know, to be fair, I totally understand. Um, But it's like you said, there is more at play than just you, and it is for two months. It's not a, you know, full year thing. You might not even end up in Detroit staying. You know, he may get to the end of the year. The Tigers don't have a, a, a updated deal for him. He doesn't decide to agree to it. And he's out and he's on the open market anyway. And like you said, the open market is probably not going to be very kind to him after, you know, the the behavior lately. Um, it's just so, so difficult to to understand on multiple different levels how this could have happened. and. To be honest with you, I think the greater feeling of the whole issue of the whole day yesterday was just embarrassment because this kind of thing is, I feel, what people assume when they hear about, when they think about the Detroit Tigers. Whether that's from, you know, the the recent Alavila era with the Tigers, how any of that was handled, the trades and all of that, or whether it even goes further back to how the team was in the 90s and, and the early 2000s where they were losing all the time. It just feels like Detroit is kind of this, you know, laughed upon organization where nobody really wants to go and everybody just knows that, you know, they're kind of cool. They're in the AL Central and they, they mess up quite a bit. And it's just embarrassing. This is this is was our opportunity to have this main stage of, you know, what could we do to put ourselves back on the map when it comes to the next two three years, when it comes to prospects and and the national spotlight, and we had the lead up, we had the players, we had even a precursor trade with this this uh, how you lead deal, and we flopped for so many different reasons. It's so complex in. On the way only a Detroit Tigers deal could happen. Yeah, I think the I think the last quote gives me some hope that that he's thinking about opting in. Um, as I said before, right? He he clearly beats to his own drum, and so if again money doesn't mean a lot to him, he should opt in and prove that he wants to be in Detroit. And it gives me a little bit of hope that 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 could be the case because if that is, and you know. I, I love pitchers. I love watching great pitchers pitch. This season would have been very hard to follow after, you know, we, we have some middling starters who have to, you know, we already probably have Wentz, who's going to take Lorenzen's place. Um, probably would have been Fiedo, who took uh, Erod's place. And so it would have been tough. You know, our, our starters were not going to get us deep into games, and it would have been a lot of tax on our bullpen. And so at least having him every fifth day is is a nice idea, right? But Will that continue past this year is what's just so, so much on our minds. 
Um, his, his agent did have a quote today too, um, Gene Mado. Um, quote, I negotiated a no trade clause in his contract for a reason. With all the money, glamour, and fame that comes with being a professional athlete, there's also a very difficult personal side. Many players, wives, and their children suffer a lot of instability in their lives, especially when their spouses get traded. I do not take that lightly. Eduardo is one of the best left-handed starting pitchers in baseball, but he is also a human being who wants stability to his fam- for his family. They are comfortable living in Detroit area and have adjusted well. As for the Dodgers in particular, once I granted permission to speak with them regarding the trade, we did our best to come up with a way to make it happen where everyone was comfortable with the outcome. Unfortunately, we just ran out of time, end quote. And yeah, so more of the family situation. And, and it's tough to argue with, right? It's it's really hard to to argue with that. You know, there, we do often forget that these are not just assets, right? These are real people and they have real families and they have kids in schools. And, and I, I understand all of that. But at the end of the day, you are being bought and sold and it is your job. And sometimes your job, you have to do things that you do not like. And th- this is where, you know, maybe swallowing your pride and, and understanding that I'm not going to pull my kids out of school. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uproot their lives right now. I'm not going to make my family move. I'm going to go and maybe I'll take a jet ride whenever I can. Or maybe when the Dodgers are playing the, I, I, I know we have a series against the Dodgers coming up here in the, in the second half. Um, you know, all of those things can, can happen, right? You, you're a multimillionaire. You can move a little bit of mountains, and so it's just like, wh- what what did we not think of when, when we were, you know, thinking of all the other possible terrible ideas uh, that could come of being traded? But you're an athlete, you want your you want to, to reach the highest echelon that you can in your given sport, most do. And so would you want to pitch for a competitor? I don't know. I, I guess I guess Erod doesn't, and so that's why he's just a different a different kind of animal. Um, I guess my question to you is, do you think he stays? Man, I don't know if we know the answer to that, whether, you know, the Tigers are in playoff contention. You know, I, I don't know if this brings any more or less clarity to it. It very much seems like this is, uh, I don't know, dude. I've I've got I've got nothing for you. I'm so befuddled by this whole situation. I've never heard of something like this happening to this extent. Obviously, last year we had a, a no trade clause situation with um, Eric Hosmer and the and the Padres uh, involved in that Juan Soto deal. But didn't they just but, put Voit in the trade too? They yeah, they, like well they swapped. Them. Yeah, they swapped Hosmer for Voit, sent Voit to the Nationals, and then traded Hosmer to the Red Sox. Because the Red Sox weren't on one of his teams that he had a no trade clause for. Like, even if even if he were as high profile as it seems like Erod was on this trade deadline, like they still figured out a way to get him traded somewhere else to get him out. Because clearly that well, rubbed right. him the wrong way. Yeah. Right, and and for sure, and I, I think that's really where you can start pointing fingers at the organization. It's like, okay, did you truly just zero in on your one? 
option and then just forgot that there could have been other options to to make this happen. We don't know the other nine teams on his on his no trade clause, but this whole West Coast thing really hones that in. So, um, or at least kind of maybe gives us some clues. Uh, we don't think the Orioles would be on that. Um, you know, whether the Reds would be on that, who knows how far West is, whatever. You know, it's it's all it's all conjecture, but you would think that there's got to be someone in the other 20 teams that that needs a starter that's willing to to put some pieces together. So that's where some of the blame for for Scott and, and the brass can go for sure. Um, I guess maybe a better question whether he stays or not. I guess let's assume he does stay. Do you think he moves up our window by by staying? I don't know that him staying is going to really change it much. I, it definitely seems like... Harris and company have a definite plan on when they want that window to open and what they're shooting for with it, with the draft picks, with the players that they have acquired. Um, whatever happens, it, it's it's not going to be whether or not he you know continues to be in Detroit or or not. Uh, it's it's going to be a question mark on his career in Detroit from here. It's. You know, the only way that this works out well for everybody involved is if he stays and pitches amazing for the next two or three years and, you know, opts into at least a a team-friendly deal, whether or not it's the current deal he's on or not. I think that does a lot to assuage a lot of the a lot of the issues we have right now. It, it would do a lot for me, at least. I, I think if he if he went ahead and said, "Yep, I love staying here. Your organization's doing a lot of the right things. I love the momentum you guys have. That's cool. That's awesome. You love Detroit. We want people who love Detroit here in Detroit. Um, if it's no, I just didn't want to go to the Dodgers, and I hated the deal that you brought to me because you know my family. It wasn't the best situation for them, and you know I I I would probably it would go down as a free agent that we acquired that I am okay with him leaving, um, and and good riddance to that situation. So I I really think that the opt out is is the X factor here, um, and whether they can rework it or or he just opts in uh, will be a very interesting revelation. Um, I think as a whole, the, the trade deadline was a disappointment for the Tigers. And, and I think too, you know, we had so much focus on Lorenzen and Erod getting dealt, uh, in the days leading up to the trade deadline, I, I really was hoping that we'd start to hear more things about the other pieces that we could have had available. And we don't know any of the conversations you know, Scott said he had a lot of inbound phone calls, so we don't know all, who all those were about. But, you know, like you said, with taking into account the players that we've recently entered in, that have recently entered into the organization, I was really, really hoping that this deadline was going to amount to more of a sell-off. And we were going to listen to way more people um, and and get rid of way more way more pieces than than even were the ones that were being talked about. Um, I was okay with a Scooby trade. I was okay with a uh, Lang trade. I was okay with a Foley trade in the right circumstances because these kids are not going to be ready for at least three years, probably four years, maybe even five years when they really start contributing. And so it's if you're if you're committed 
to something, to some direction, it needs to start to become more clear. Because this team, this organization, feels like they're stuck in neutral. It feels like we have all these players from the last regime that Scott doesn't know what to do with, and we have all of this new interjection of, of talent that is pretty exciting and, and has a lot of upside, but has a completely different timeline than you know maybe even the Riley Greens, Torkelsons, the Tarek Schools, the Casey Mises. And so it's like, what are we doing? What, what are we, and I get it, injuries probably didn't really help us out here. I really wonder if Turnbull had been healthy, if he would have been another piece that would have been pretty high on, on other teams' list. Um, and, I, and I also wonder if he, he was pretty high on Scott's list to, to get dealt, but the injury just was bad, poorly timed. Um, but I really thought that this was our opportunity to state this is our direction as the Detroit Tigers. And it didn't come to fruition, and it's another swing and a miss from from an, a brass that we thought was going to really right some wrongs from from that situation. Am I looking at it too dramatically? I don't think so. I think it's very fair. I mean, we also thought the same thing about the draft, and that also kind of, if if not kept us in neutral, put us in a very light reverse to where we thought we were going to be. So I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just intrigued. I guess I'm intrigued to see how the rest of this year is going to go because, you know, for better or for worse, we, we still are kind of in this central because no one, still no one continues to want to just take control of it. I know Minnesota's had, you know, had a good run there for a little bit, but they're back down to one game above 500 and it's, it's not looked pretty. It's not looked pretty. And the guardians sold at the deadline. They sold Savale and bell. And I think one other player, I can't remember, but there, there's nobody that's that truly went for Ahmed it. In the Rosario. Oh yeah. Ahmed Rosario. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, I just don't know, man. It, it it very well could come down to, you know, who sucks the least in the central the rest of the way. I mean, we're still six and a half games out of first somehow. You know, you say it over and over again, but if you're if the only thing you're gonna do is deal Lorenzen, what do you have to lose to just go out there and try to win a bunch of ball games? I mean, what it we can hope. I mean that that would be the only saving grace for the team this year is if they don't trade Arod and somehow he helps them make a push in August and September. You're right. I mean, we have a, a somehow very important series against the Twins coming up next week. It's a four game series. I mean, we can make a lot of headway in the in the Central. Not saying we're going to sweep the Twins, um, but if we even win that series, that's that's traction in in the right direction. And so. As crazy as it sounds, Erod could be making meaningful pitches for the Tigers and, and making meaningful starts for the Tigers. And you know, if if there were if there was going to be anything that was crazier at the deadline, it was that yeah, we acquired some talent that was going to you know push us over the edge, or we were going to be like kind of pseudo buyers. I'm glad we didn't go that direction. I'm glad we didn't have the whole like will I, won't I kind of thing that like the Red Sox did a couple years ago, but. Um, as crazy as it is, yeah, the Tigers are not completely out of it. But again, I feel like you just gotta 
got to put your foot down and, and really just say, this is the, this is the direction. Yes, we are rebuilding again. Whatever buzzword you want to put on it. So that doesn't sound terrible retooling or restructuring, whatever you want to say, but this is going to be a longer term process than you or I would be comfortable with. And they just got to start saying that and, and get over it. And, and unfortunately just really haven't had the guts to do it. Um, did you want to talk about some other trades um, that, that were happening? I, I know um, we're running a little bit long here, but I did want to mention some of the other ones. I know you mentioned Verlander going back to the Astros. Um, that was writing on the wall for that one. Good Gandhi. But good for him. Glad, glad that's going to happen. Were there any other trades that stuck out to you that you wanted to mention? I mean, like I said at the very beginning, this whole deadline with you know the extra wild card, a bunch of teams feeling like they're in it, teams like the Padres going for it, which seems to be the right move. Teams like the Cubs not selling seems like a very interesting move, even you know trading for our friend. My boy Jamer. Jamer Candelario. Who, How's he doing since he got traded? Uh, my brother texted me not five minutes ago and said he's had nine plate appearances and he has reached base eight times. So, sounds like a with like three very goals. helpful so player. Yeah, it would have been, been, nice. been interesting for sure to see what that would have led to. Um, but yeah, I mean the Mets selling off, and by selling off we mean like shipping cash to people as well as players. Uh, the Orioles and Reds doing really almost nothing for young teams that are trying to win. Um, Orioles got Flaherty, so that's that's something. It's just it seems like a obligatory. Oh, we should probably do something that they right said exactly the like a hour. like a shout to the right like a shout to the clubhouse. Like yes, we see how well you're playing, but we're not willing to move any big big pieces. So here you go. I definitely think they're they're also stuck in a will like you know they're too ahead of schedule. If that makes mm-hmm, any sense, sure. we're like the the organization doesn't know what to do. And so like, but at this point it's like the same thing with the reds. Um, and this is not a new idea. And, and this is definitely coming from, uh, some MLB pundits that were on the, uh, the deadline tracker, but you, you're in it. Like, you know, you're, you're in the playoffs if, if the season ended. And so why not just bank on what you're sure of and go for it? You know, like why, why play for next year? Why play for the year after you're not guaranteed that, you, you could Cardinals end up like the Mets and the White Sox would the like Cardinals. Exactly. And so it's, it's just like, what are, what are you doing? Like you got to add some pieces. And so I, I really think the Reds will, they will regret that. Um, they still very well may make it in the playoffs, um, but they, they, they needed something to interject some, some veteran talent into, into all that. The NL central is super um, weird. Cause like, they they could end up finishing fourth in that division, as it, as it stands now. We take what you will from the, you know, Cardinals and Pirates, but you know, the Cardinals still have a lot of talent on that team. They have almost no pitching now, but there there are no slouches at the plate. Uh, the Brewers are the Brewers. They they have a ton of pitching, and they got a little bit of hitting at the deadline. The Cubs look like they're not going to lose back-to-back games in the next three years with the way they're playing right now. The the Reds might really regret not bolstering some things over there. They Their pitchers are running up on some innings limits, and it's really going to mess with their ability to, to play going forward. 
Um, the team that I wanted to really highlight on the deadline deals was the Miami Marlins. Talk about an organization that did some wonky things at the deadline. They traded for Jake Berger of the White Sox for their already major league player, Garrett Cooper, as well as trading another major league piece for a major league piece with Lopez from the Twins for a reliever I'd never even heard of. And then... Yeah, Dylan Floro. Yeah, right. And then getting an interdivision trade with the Mets for Robertson, which kind of spiraled the Mets out of control with how their sell went. Mm. Just Well, and the Marlins also got Bell, too. That's completely true. I forgot about that, too. Wow. Well, and, and yeah, and I mean, they, there was also a major leaguer for a major leaguer, like Segura, Segura, and then the Guardians just, yeah, and then the Mar- the Guardians just DFA'd him. But the really interesting piece for that was Khalil Watson, who was a very, very... Uh, early pick in last year's draft, uh, not the most recent year, but the year before, and so it's like, wow, you're you're really gonna give him up for for Josh Bell? Okay, all right, whatever. But uh, they might regret that one. But yeah, some weird trades that the that the Marlins but made. But that's the thing, man. Um, that's a young team that was you know still it's they are in a wild card spot, they are in a playoff spot, and they tried to get better to solidify that spot this year. That's what we wanted the Reds and the Orioles to do. They just went about it in a very odd way. I can't wait till we're buyers again, dude. I don't know if it'll ever happen in our lifetimes, but man, it it seems to be fun. Yeah. Seems to be a fun time when when your team is acquiring players that help you on the major league level. Yeah, I was gonna highlight that Jamer trade. Uh, it's just like that's it, so cool that he went back to the Cubs. It, it's probably like a. A going home party for him. Um, I think the Cubs made the right move, as you said, and as your brother said, that uh, they they were definitely one of those fringe teams. Will we? Won't we? And then they went on that run, and it's like, nope, we're holding on to Bellinger. They didn't say a lot on Stroman, but it was pretty clear that Stroman was going to stay. And it, it looks like they made the right move. And then not only that, they they added and and they brought in Jamer. Um, I love Jamer, and and I mean now he's starting to get some national recognition. Um, he's definitely having a career year for for him, and so it's it's really good to see him succeeding. And, and just I mean it's just happenstance that he's you know getting on bases as much as he is. I'm sure he will cool down at some point, but he can be that that driving force, and I'm sure it feels good for him too because he was completely blocked out of that infield um, in the in was it twenty. 16 when they won the World Series. I think so. Yeah. Um, that World Series team. And so, you know, Chris Bryant, you're, you're not going to be there. He had some at bats for the Cardinals, or for the Cardinals, for the uh, Cubs, but it never came to fruition. And the Tigers got him in, uh, in the Alex Vila and, and uh, Justin Wilson trade. And so when that went down and he never got to actually play for the organization that drafted him, now to come back six years later or whatever, that's got to feel awesome just to kind of like yeah i'm i'm the i'm the old guy coming back now a veteran gonna help you guys out and, and see if we can make a playoff push um i thought um the padres doing what they did and acquiring some some real veterans was kind of hilarious i think aj prowler just the you know the gm of the padres he just can't stay away from making deals um he also got barlow at the very very mm-hmm. last minute i think he it was like the last trade that actually went through um, that that came through right before 
the uh, the six o'clock deadline. And so I think he just makes moves to make moves. The really interesting one, speaking of you know teams that just make moves to make moves, was the lack of action from the Mariners. Um, they Depoto usually makes a lot of flurry of moves, and it seemed like Teoscar Hernandez was going to get dealt. Um, and in a very very light hitting market too. Um, I don't care what anyone says. Anyone can use a bat. Anyone can use another bat. Whether there were a lot of buyers for bats or not, it is what it is. You probably could have gotten pretty nice pieces for Teoscar. Um, it was interesting that he he did not go back. I saw that there was reports that he was going to go back to the uh, to the Blue Jays, but it just never came to fruition. So I was surprised that the Mariners didn't uh, didn't sell off more. But um, overall, very exciting. And, and now it's kind of sad that, you know, we have to wait till next year to, to do it all over again. But um, it, it's probably my favorite time of, of baseball as a whole. Um, I think when you have the prospect of, of being in a, in a race, in a hunt, and you, you go out and you acquire a talent that you think can really push you over the edge, it's got to be exciting for that team. We want to know what it's like, but it's got to be exciting for for that. Um, and, and one day, one day we might be in a buyer situation, but not to be. Um, we have some games to play in in the in the upcoming week of baseball games that is now very shortened because this is going to come out on Thursday in the off day. Some off day listening for for the kids out there. So uh, we just split with the Pirates, which. Uh, Probably should have won that series. Didn't split with them. Good we got the win before the off day. Um, that would have been incredibly saddening if we we didn't win. But um, two seller-dweller teams, and I say seller-dweller because selling, not not actually we're <laughs> seller-dwellers, but we sold at the deadline, um, that, that went head-to-head and probably had a chance to, to win, but then we just got shellacked in the first game after, after the deadline. Um, so now we play... Wait for it. Wait for it. The Tampa Bay Rays. Are we going to get smoked by them just like the beginning of the year, Josh? Fortunately, this is a very different Tampa Bay Rays team than the undefeated ones that we kicked off their season. Uh, they are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Uh, they, they lost again today. They're still very, very good. Don't, don't get me wrong, but they've definitely cooled off. Uh, since then, and their most of their wins have come against teams under 500. So take what you will. I think we'll get a game or two from them. I I do. I'm 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 excited for this series. I think this team, you know, with the way they play today, it definitely makes me wonder whether this whole thing kind of lit a fire under the team. Hopefully, that would that would be best case scenario. That would be best case scenario. I'm scared of Savali though. He he detrimental to us when he played for the Guardians. Uh, of course, he's going to pitch in the Rays series because they newly acquired him. Uh, of course, he just follows us. That's just that's just how that goes. Um, maybe we can get the surrounding games, but I don't. And maybe we hammer Savali. That'd be pretty cool. But uh, I we're at home. I think yes, we are. Yes, we are. We don't play well at home. <laughs> we play better on the road, but. Um, I think we take one of those games, and I think we take that very, very um, closely, to to put it kindly. Mm. But if we win one, I'm I'm happy about it. Uh, and then, like I said, we begin a four-game series against the Twins, and somehow, 
somehow this is going to be an interesting series. I think there is a strong chance that we go into that series six games back. And if that's true, four games, that's very interesting. Now, obviously, we still have the Guardians and what they did, but they may uh, not be as competitive with trading away some pieces that they did, strangely, uh, at the deadline. But um, we did it. We made it past the deadline. Are you excited for the next two months of Tigers baseball, Josh? I am. I think it's going to be interesting. We played quite well. Last year after the deadline, a lot of guys had kind of resurgent second halves. Uh, guys like Javi, guys like uh, Manning came up and had uh, had some really nice uh, second halves. Um, it's going to be interesting to see with the, you know, obviously rosters expand a little bit, see who they call up for that. Um, we'll see. We've got, we've got an opportunity. We have, a, again, a pretty weak schedule, all things considered, and uh, some of our opponents do not. So, looking at the Twins' schedule, they play the Diamondbacks, us, uh, the Phillies. They play the Brewers, Rangers, and then the Guardians. So, they don't they don't have a have a cupcake schedule either. So, I think it should be somehow. I think we'll somehow be still hanging around this conversation come September. I can't wait to get mad about all the roster moves. And they're not going to be the people that we want. No. I cannot wait. I mean, I, I'm I'm here. Malloy, please, just Malloy or Parker Meadows. I mean, had Parker Meadows, like he's on the forty man. Like I feel like he is an obvious one, but it's just it's not going to happen. And they don't expand as much as they used to. You know, they, we only go to I think twenty eight players, right? And so you know they used to expand to the whole forty man, but now it's just not that case. And so. Um, it's definitely pick and choose and, and see who you can do. I know AJ always wants an arm. Um, so probably going to be disappointed with those moves. But, you know, they're our team and we love them. Where can the kids find us, Josh? Guys, we're on all of our social medias at Old English D Pod. Uh, go ahead and look us up. Give us a follow. We are going to be recording we're going to be back on our normal recording schedule starting next week so the next pod will be out tuesday morning um we're trying to keep it keep it on schedule for you we're, we're working through some things with scheduling with uh me you know obviously i'm moving pretty quickly to quick turnaround time for me to move so we're going to try and keep it on schedule but as of right now we're still planning on uh regular tuesday releases for you Oh, the kids will riot if we if we miss another day. That you know can't happen. No, we won't let it happen. No, no. But uh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, some patience. We appreciate the grace and forgiveness on on some of those things. But we want to make sure all the deals got done. And then obviously, when everything went down, it's like, wow, this is a lot to take in. Would would another day be be beneficial for us? And I think it was. I think it was a nice cool off. Josh. Thank you so much for joining me. Guys, obviously, thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Tigers.